KEXU 96.1 FM, Whole People's Revolutionary Radio. I'm JV, and you're listening to Free Aslan. And uh, today's show, we're going to have um, some special guests from the All African People's Revolutionary Party, and we'll be having them in a minute. Um, first off, let me get to some news uh, from Aslan Press. And you know, first off, I want to mention, of course, the gladiator fights that continue to occur with Rasa um, being um, pitted against one another, and you know, and, and, and it's it's we're seeing a, you know, we're seeing it blatantly ble- being an attack on Rasa uh, behind prison walls and behind enemy lines, and um, and this is a, a reoccurring theme that we're dealing with in in the in the california prison system as well as is beyond in the uh you know within the united snakes and also in the federal prison system so this is a a blatant attack uh another um example of the war on aslan and um and our people continue to be attacked um in every way that the state um can do it and most recently there was the 200-man, you know, um, gladiator fight uh, that occurred in Soledad State Prison within the last week or two. And this, this is, you know, 200 gladiators, uh, and this was um, fully instigated by the state. Prison guards, um, you know, pitted 200 men and used 200, probably the biggest gladiator fight in world history i don't think i've ever read about a gladiator fight including 200 people and the the fact that that didn't make headlines across the world um is a tragedy it's a it's a it's it's horrible it's it's um almost you know if we had 200 dogs fighting in a kennel um that would make world news but because it's 200 Chicanos fighting, which it was 200 Chicanos being used as gladiators, nobody cares. And the media um, doesn't even mention it. And that's a damn shame. So this is the kind, it's another concrete example. You know, on Free Aslan, we talk, you hear me talk a lot about uh, national oppression and the struggles and the, um, the attacks on Rasa. And, you know, but to many people, it's more of a, it's almost like, um, you know, they don't understand what exactly this means. What are these attacks? What exactly am I talking about? And this is a concrete example of what I'm talking about when I say war on Aslan, when I say imprisoned Aslan is being attacked. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about 200 gladiators uh, being um you know, being pitted against one another. So this is a damn shame that um, that the media isn't broadcasting this around the world. And so we need to get the word out. We need to talk about it. Two hundred gladiators um, in these pri- in Soledad prison. We need to talk about that. And in in the coming weeks, I will be interviewing um, one of the family members of one of these gladiators. So. This is very important that we keep our eye on this and we will not let the state get away with um, attacking our people, whether they're on behind enemy lines or out here in minimum security. We're still going to be on it and we're still going to blast them uh, on the air every time they get out of line. So that's one thing. Um, moving on uh, to some of uh, some events coming up. Um, so there's uh, the Wright Institute of Berkeley. Uh, UC Berkeley is having a conference, a psychologist conference. They're going to be talking about, um, and these are psycho- these are psychologists for social responsibility group of psychologists who are working um, to combat uh, mass imprisonment, uh, which we know as national oppression. And um, they are forming this conference, and they've invited me to speak on the panel. And so that's going to be Saturday, November second at the Wright Institute in Berkeley. So if you're available, if you can check it out, um, you know, get your ticket, come, and, 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 you know, I'll be talking about mass imprisonment, solitary confinement, 
uh, the concentration camp up in Pelican Bay or Skeleton Bay, as we like to call it. And so come out, check it out. Um, I'll be having some of my books there as well. So those who want to study in depth, you know, you can check out um, my art book of art created in that concentration camp, Aslan Realism, Chicano Revolutionary Art from Pelican Bay Shoe. You can also check out the book will be available, Chicano Power and the Struggle for Aslan. It's another very important revolutionary history book that's a must-have. Uh, come and check it out, grab you a copy, and um, hear me talk about both books and, and many other aspects as well of this national oppression that we're facing. So check that out November 2nd. And, you know, also uh, upcoming is the uh, 49th anniversary of the Chicano Moratorium. Just in case those of you listeners don't know what the Chicano Moratorium is, Chicano Moratorium was the largest uh, Chicano action, direct action taken against the Vietnam War. And, um, you know, and it was um, taken decades ago. However, um, it remains the largest action. Over 10,000 Chicano people in East Los Angeles uh, rose in the street, uh, rose up against the state and against U.S. military. And like I've spoken of before, we need another Chicano moratorium today. And um, if you're talking about anti-imperialism, there's nothing more anti-imperialist than supporting a Chicano moratorium today because um, the the stats um, clearly say that the largest um, population being recruited into the U.S. military today are Rasa. So if we look at that, and we look at what upholds imperialism, um, it's the military. Uh, without the U.S. military, there would be no U.S. imperialism. And so if we are trying to combat imperialism as anti-imperialists, well then today there would be, in my opinion, nothing more anti-imperialist within these U.S. false U.S. borders than supporting a Chicano moratorium since Chicanos are the largest population entering the U.S. military. So this is something that we need to talk about as a community. Every revolutionary party, group, cadre, organization, um, uh, collective, um, everybody you know, needs to discuss um, the Chicano moratorium. We need to discuss how to support a Chicano moratorium today. How do we shut off the spigot that um, fuels the U.S. military? How do we shut their lifeblood off? And that um, is by um, educating and raising the idea of a Chicano moratorium today. Um, Chicanas are the largest growing, fastest growing population amongst the U.S. military. So um, this is something that we need to talk about as a community and um, in, in my opinion, um, everybody needs to support a Chicano moratorium. By supporting that Chicano moratorium, you're supporting uh, anti-imperialism. So let's do this. So that's something else. Um, the Chicano moratorium uh, is coming out uh, the 49th anniversary, August 31st in, in San Jose. We're having an event at the uh, Peace and Justice Center. Uh, at 48408 South 7th Street in San Jose, Califa Aslan. And this is, um, we're going to have um, film, film screening. We're going to have speakers commemorating the Chicano Moratorium and the 49th anniversary. And this event is going to be from 12 noon to 3.30 p.m. So come out, check it out. If you're in the area, you're in the South Bay, go down there. Bring your kids, bring your family, bring your neighbors, bring your boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, wives, sisters, brothers, uncles, bring the whole family. Come out here, check it out, see something educational, learn something, each one teach one, bring that back and teach others about what you learn. So this is very important that we know who we are as a Chicano nation and that we continue to educate and continue to keep that drum of resistance beating in the hearts and minds of the Chicano nation. And, um, and, and so we need to get on that. We need to support it. And we need to publicize it. You know, post it, put it on Facebook, put it on your Instagram, 
August 31st at the Peace and Justice Center, uh, 49th anniversary of the Chicano Moratorium. So that's another um, uh, event coming up. And, you know, speaking of prisons, um, you know, going back to the prison gladiators and all that, you know, it's important that we understand that prisons were designed um, as tools, as weapons used against the oppressed. Um, and, you know, they use them in various ways. They've um, come a long way in perfecting the art of destruction. Uh, when you talk about weapons of mass destruction, you know, um, prisons are weapons of mass destruction because they're targeting um, specific oppressed nations and they are targeting them in order to destroy them. And so, you know, this is um, um, what they what some call a clean lynching. You know, it's a clean lynching, a clean mental lynching because um, there may be no blood, but um, it's still going to destroy the person and kill off and genocide a certain population. And we know who that population is. It's the internal semi-colonies within these false U.S. borders. And um, this is the brown, black, red, uh, uh, you know, peoples that have been struggling against colonialism uh, since the settler first arrived. And we continue to resist in many different ways. Um, this radio station is a form of resistance as well. But, but you know, when they, um, but going back to this prison, you know, um, in recent news, you know, there was a lieutenant, um, you know, who was, um, you know, in, in the Alameda County, um, you know, in Alameda County, by the way, 16 people have died um, in the sheriff's custody since 2010. 16 prisoners. And this is something we don't hear about, you know, in these jails with these prisoners dying. We don't hear about it because people don't care. And the state works real hard. Uh, to put their propaganda out so that people do not care, you know, and these are people from our community. These are our neighbors. These are our family, our loved ones. And um, the state works real hard, doesn't put it in the news. If they do, they talk about how bad the person was so that people don't care. And um, but but free Aslan cares. And we're always going to talk about uh, those who are murdered um, within the jails and the prisons because, um, you know, we understand that um, this population that's targeted, the lumpen population, is a potentially revolutionary vehicle within these false U.S. borders, uh, even more so in many cases than the so-called working class, uh, which is a bourgeoisified um, sector, in, in, in my opinion, um, at this moment. And so, you know, we have better um you know we have a, a better chance of organizing within the barrios within the ghettos and within the reservations than we do in the than in the factories and the warehouses at this time because um consciousness is not there uh within these so-called factories and um other industries within these false u.s borders so that's something to um to, you know, to throw out there that 16 prisoners have been, you know, have died. You know, it's horrible. And, um, you know, just uh, another prisoner just died in, you know, recently in Santa Rita Jail. Um, you know, and the lieutenant responsible was placed on leave. Um, and I guess the, the lieutenant um, left this prisoner in restraints. And somehow the prisoner ended up dead. So this is, you know, um, this is something that, you know, prisoners continue to struggle against. This is why prisoners had hunger strikes and tried to bring attention to what was going on uh, in the prisons is because of the harsh repression hashed out to these prisoners and to the lumpen population in general. Uh, you know, so this is something that we've been facing for a long time that we're dealing with, that we're struggling with, and we're resisting with. So, you know, um, pay attention to the prisons because um, this is, uh, you know, it's kind of like the canary in the coal mine where, um, you know, what happens in the prison is going to happen out here. So, and we are the ones filling the prisons, you know, us, our family, our loved ones, and our neighbors and our community. So that's something to... Um, to make sure you keep up on but with that being said let me um 
get to this interview. It's going to be a very, um, very beautiful interview. And I have two comrades here from the All African People's Revolutionary Party. Uh, and let me welcome comrades uh, Mimut and comrade Mandisa of the All African People's Revolutionary Party. Uh, welcome to Free Aslan, comrades. Music break, music break. And we're going we're gonna to go to a music break because we have a, a technical difficulty at this time. And we'll be back in a few minutes. So just stay tuned. And we're back. Uh, I'm Free Aslan, and we have uh, Comrade Mamouk and Comrade Mandisa of the All African People's Revolutionary Party. Uh, welcome to Free Aslan, uh, Mandisa and Mamouk. Ma'at Hotel. Justice and peace. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, thank you, sister and brother. And um, and so, well, you know, this is something that we've been trying to get, uh, you know, this, this interview for a while. I've been trying to get you on Free Aslan for a while. I'm glad you guys are finally here. And, um, and it's a little bit difficult to hear you, but we're going to get through this. And let me just ask the first question. Uh, tell us about the All-African... The All African People's Revolutionary Party and what it stands for. All right, good brother. Appreciate the opportunity once again. This is Brother Mamut Rari Nahu. Uh, so, let's give you a little bit about the All African People's Revolutionary Party. The APRP is a product of the religious struggle within the Pan African movement for one United States of Africa. Our objective is the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. We work and organize to support masses by political education, by utilizing, excuse me, political education to bring forth ideological clarity about the realities of the world and the work that needs to be done to uplift Africa and the peoples of the world. We utilize several platforms to properly educate the masses about the enemies of the people, the earth, we're talking about white supremacy, capitalism, colonialism, neo-colonialism, settler colonialism, patriarchy, Zionism, and imperialism. We are in Kumis Tereus, who support the ideology of the great president of Guinea-Bissau, Ahmed Sekou Touré, and the first president of Ghana, Kwame Nkrumah. Nkrumahism and Tereism offers African people a set of uncompromising principles, a revolutionary view of Africa and the world, a scientific methodology and tools of analysis, a complete social, political, philosophical, and economic theory to guide our action. In 1968, Kwame Nkrumah wrote the book, The Handbook of Revolutionary Warfare, and he called for the formation of the APRP. In that same year, the first work-study circles were organized in Guinea Conakry. By 1972, work-study circles were organized here in the Snakes, Europe, Canada, and Caribbean. Kwame Ture, formerly known as Stokely Carmichael, he was instrumental in the organizing of the APRP. Uh, the basic unit of the a APRP is our work-study circles. And our work-study circles are our basic unit, as I say. What we do in the work-study circles, we get our comrades, usually 3 to 13 folks in one organizing area, and we come together every two weeks, and we go over books. We, we discuss what's going on around the world, geopolitical information. And in these books, you know, we know that many of us aren't used to, to reading and studying because of the realities of the miseducation, this terrible system, this education system. Most of us don't like to read or don't know how to read. So we go and we start basic. We encourage our folks to read five pages a day for 14 days. And with that, we get about 70 pages read, and every two weeks we discuss those 70 pages. So you got three to 13 brains in a room uh, definitely engaging in an ideological struggle because we all don't agree on everything, yet we're trying to come to some type of consensus on this information. 
So it challenges us because we come in with our own theories and our views, yet when we read this information by our ancestors, we're able to then kind of put this information in perspective from not only the past, how can we utilize this information in our present-day struggles. So that's a little bit about our, uh, our work-study circles and, and what we do in those work-study circles. Mm. Another one of our objectives, though, is to redirect the scattered energies of the African people into, in, into permanent political organization designed to achieve revolutionary power through the establishment of a political and economic base in Africa. One of our focuses is really on recruiting Africans, especially Africans from the revolutionary intelligentsia, to help develop them into strong, honest cadre through the process of vigorous work, study, and ideological struggle. We are encouraging the masses of Africans to look to the revolutionary African personality or rap to help guide and motivate their revolutionary energies. We want to make sure that our folks have principles. You know, it's one thing, you know, we, we get upset. You know, and I'll go back old school days, right? The, the Rodney King, you know, situation there, right? We, we was upset. We were furious. And the masses, we will not stand for things. We will react, and that's not what we need. Instead of reactions, we need to be uh, revolutionary, and we have to have organized planned responses. So if the masses were organized, we could have did something on a greater level than what we did uh, during the rebellions uh, with the Europeans and Caucasians called riots. We were rebelling against the system. Yet if we were organized and we had an organized planned response, we would have had something that would still be going today. And so I use that as an example, but this has been going on since uh, the 50s, since actually since we were in shackles, right? So we have to get organized. And so we're always encouraging people to get organized, 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 organized. And we're going to be saying this throughout this, this uh, interview here. We're like, look, if you're not a part of organization, it's not too late for you. We say, listen, join an organization that's working towards the total liberation of your people. And if you can't find that organization, then you start that organization. Because all the great people that we always put on these buttons and we have the shirts and our hats, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Harriet Tubman, Fannie Lou Hamer, etc., etc., all of those great Africans were a part of organizations. There's not one of those Africans we can name that did not form an organization or was not part of an organization. So we're clear that the masses of our people have got to be organized. We're fighting against a system that has been organized against us. I talk to people all the time about the Berlin Conference where these, these Europeans, these, excuse me, these Caucasians in Europe came together and met for 71 nights and days to discuss how they were going to organize to take over Africa and the world. So I always say this to people. If you get tired, you, some folks are getting tired listening to the interview, and it's only been a few minutes. But these folks are willing to sit for 71 days. we got to be willing to sit and get organized so we can fight and decolonize our minds first and foremost and then go out and bring forth some real revolutionary change around the world. Mm, beautiful. And decolonization is a beautiful word. And organization is key, as you say. You know, organization. Without organization, we can't accomplish nothing. So that is very important. And I, 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 I talk about organization a lot uh, for Yaslan. So thank you, brother, for that um, educational lesson. And let me hear from, you know, we have to have, you know, uh, a duality with, um, you know, um, what the Mexica people, what the Mexica people call um, uh, Omateo. Omateo is duality. And in political terms, it's contradictions. You, we have to have contra. Everything in life has contradictions, and so let me hear. You know, and, and with that duality or contradictions or however we want to um, talk about, um, we do have the male and the female um, um, aspect of everything, and that's a beautiful thing. I, I love that duality uh, in nature. So let me hear uh, from Sister Mandisa. Um, if I can ask the question, um, if you can tell us about the All-African Women's Revolutionary Union. 
Hey, yes, of course. Um, thank you very much. So the All-African Women's Revolutionary Union really is our path to implement our egalitarian nature of our organization. So the remote was talking about our principles um, being egalitarian, being collective, and being humanist in nature. So what we refer to as the union, which is the women's wing of the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, um, the union holds the responsibility, really, of politically educating African women and African men together on the past and present realities of the African woman in society and in the revolution, specifically her role in the revolution. Uh, the purpose of this is to forge a stronger bond between us and to really uplift our people as a unified force um, instead of as separate individuals. So we recognize that the African woman is the most oppressed in society, and um, that being said, she faces the triple oppression. We identify this as national oppression, oppression based on race or national identity, economic oppression, which is based on class or economic status, and then also thirdly, gender oppression, which is based on sex or gender or identity as a woman. So um, this being said, that our role really is to develop African sisters into conscious, effective revolutionaries uh, who are incrumous Therese Cadre, who participate fully in the development of the AAPRP. And at this point, where uh, we speak a lot about building the party, and we understand as revolutionaries that there is no revolution for men without the revolution of women. There's no um, liberation of women without their men. It's something that we're experiencing as a collective, something that we're struggling for as a collective. So um, we understand that our revolutionaries fight on the front. You know, we're on the front line. We're in a war. We are at war. And we are opposing the triple oppression that faces our African women. We're fighting in a social and a political revolution. We're fighting as AAPRP, members of the AAWRU, to achieve our goal, Pan-Africanism, as the brother said, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. This is to restore the balance between the people, between men and women, and to bring forth the unity and the solidarity among them. So I thank you for your invitation here, Brother Joey, and allowing us to practice our principles in uh, the development of this interview. It's been a great practice of our socialist principles, and so we appreciate the ability to be here tonight. Absolutely. Socialist love on the airlines tonight and going out in unity, black and brown unity, red, black, brown, all of the above. And, you know, we have this unity, and only through uh, unity are we going to be able to um, overcome and um, be victorious over white supremacy because it has plagued the entire planet, not just uh, here on this continent, but um, around the world. People have been suffering uh, from white supremacy from this, uh, these, um, and that that's the real terrorism. You know, white supremacy is real, and and so you know, I think it's very important. Free Aslan. Um, believes it's very important and that we do have unity between um, oppressed peoples and so it was very um, I was very honored to have you all here as well and to for the listeners to learn how African peoples and this is one way there's many ways um, this is one way that African peoples um, are organizing within these false US borders and coming together in different forms of um, organization so um, it's a beautiful thing for everybody uh, listening so but let me push on to the next question because you know we're we're we're, we're, um, we're um, you know running out of time here so let me just say um, let me ask um, what has your party done to promote black brown and red unity Okay, this is Brother Mumet again. Hope up, everybody. Uh, so our party, you know, our party was started by, by folks who've been a part of parties before even our party started. So we've always been in solidarity with the brown and red peoples of not only this land, the lands wherever we go. Uh, we're very clear about our connection uh, historically. 
But I'm going to talk a little bit about specifically our party, and then Sister Mandisa, she's going to talk a little bit about what's going on presently. I'm going to give a little bit of history, and then she's going to come in and talk about what's going on presently. So historically, we've worked with Kapulis. We spoke at Mashika New Year. We have supported and took part in events at the Intertribal Friendship House in Oakland, California. We've been to Oyate, uh, Sovereign Land, formerly known as Red Winds Camp, with Chief Ernie Longwalker and the Warrior, Warrior Woman. Uh, we have consistently provided a platform for the indigenous people to speak at African Liberation Day so that people can hear about what's going on in regards to their struggles and how African people can support their struggles and how indigenous people can support our struggle. I'm going to use the term indigenous interchangeably with black, I mean with red and brown. Mm. Uh, so when you hear that, this is exactly what I'm speaking about. Um, we have been the Standing Rock elders, young folks who have been the Standing Rock in support of our sisters and brothers. We have spoke at events denouncing Trump and his policies against our indigenous brown and red sisters and brothers and the Cajun of our children. We have had brown and red sisters and brothers speak at the spirituality and activism workshop that we put on every year. We have traveled to Cuba, Puerto Rico, DR, Central South America to engage in ideological struggle, learn about these uh, processes, learn about what's going on in these different countries and the peoples in these different countries and also educate them about what's going on with us. We can find some, some bonds there. Then we come back with that information to educate the masses of folks here in the hells of North America. Mm. Um, we have met with the community and spiritual healers of the Mawekma, Ohlone peoples. Big shout out to Brother Joey Torres if you're listening. Revolutionary salute to you, comrade. We have presented awards to the Red Warriors Society. We have worked in solidarity with the Brown Berets. We have awarded the Black Star Labor Award to brown and red peoples like Fidel Castro, Hugo Chavez, Rigoberto Mencha, and many, many others. We have organized events and supported events to keep the masses aware of political prisoners like the Cuban Five, Leonard Peltier, and many others. Our organization uh, was met by some threats by President Ronald Reagan, and I say that facetiously, he came out and said that no more Africans can travel to Africa. Well, in response to that, as I say, not reaction, in response to that, our comrades came together with indigenous folks, held a press conference in San Francisco, California, and said, not only are we not listening to you, we're publicly buying tickets right now. That great son of Africa, Qaddafi invited our comrades to Libya, and they went to Libya with indigenous folks, went and learned under Qaddafi. They learned under the Mataba, uh, under Libya, uh, Libya's leader, Qaddafi, you know, the Jamaria. And the Mataba was an institution that supported the liberation movements and just causes around the world where people from around the world, they can come together and receive training and exchange information and ideas about how to properly engage in this revolutionary struggle. Our elder Kwame Ture was in Washington, D.C. in support of our indigenous sisters and brothers who engaged in the longest walk where they took over the BIE, the Bureau of, of uh, Indian Affairs, BIA, excuse me, BIE, you know I'm talking about black identity extremists. So excuse me, but I'm talking about the BIA, the Bureau of in, in of Indian, uh, excuse me, of in Indian Affairs. He was there in support of that, and so our party has been working closely with folks like AIM, AIM West, the Brown Berets, and other organizations uh, that represent the Brown and Red struggles. We've been in solidarity with them since time immemorial. We're talking about since the establishment of our organization, but our ancestors have been in line with these brown and red folks since the beginning of time. Many of us in the APRP share lineage, whether it be African uh, lineage, indigenous lineage, or uh, uh, whatever in lineage. We share lineage with the folks, and so it's easy for us to work in solidarity 
uh, Sister Mandisa and myself, we both are of African and indigenous descent. But I'm going to let Sister Mandisa come on here, and she's going to speak a little bit more about what we've been doing more recently and the, the, the importance of what we're doing as far as black, brown, and red unity. Perfect. Sheikh Ahmed, thank you very much for the space to speak. So, yes, as um, Brother Mamut was speaking, uh, I identify as an African woman. I have lineage that traces back to Al-Kabulan. That's the indigenous name of our mother continent. Um, I also do uh, honor and respect the indigenous peoples of this land that I descend from. I uh, descend from the Anishinaabe Three Fires Confederacy, the Bodawan tribe and then also the Choctaw Nation. So um, being that uh, Red Nation, Black Nation unity exists in my bloodline. I'm also the mother of a Mexica Dantante. And so we're members of a local Galpuli, Galpuli Tonaleque. And, um, you know, we are in ceremony on a weekly basis. And so our daily life is living this unity that we're speaking of, um, the expression of our, you know, our culture and our social dynamics is uh, relevant to that. We understand that our solidarity as indigenous people, our solidarity as African people is just as ancient as our cultures. We also understand that the organization of the masses of the oppressed nations is key to the liberation of all of those nations. So if there's no unity among the nations externally, um, we're, that as we're seeing, we're separated today. Most of the time we're finding because there's a lack of unity and organization within our nation. So if we're talking about um, the unity between nations, we need to first talk about the unity within our nation and the organization that will support that unity. So um, we also understand as oppressed peoples, this is a decolonization process. And it's imperative to our social revolution um, that we identify um, how we perpetuate our own colonization, how we continue our own oppression by continuing the colonizer's false divide placed in between our nations. Well, we've had ancient, it, I mean, it's in our history, in our ancient cultures, going back that type of to the land, um, how similar and how one we are. That if there are any divides between us, those are false. And so, um, we're really, you know, bringing it back on point to this organization, to the All African People's Revolutionary Party, for myself and my family, for my lineage, recognizing protocols in the land that we stand on, being able to honor, you know, we speak honor and homage to the Mawekma Ohlone because that is physically the land that we stand on and pay homage to those people who struggle to protect the culture in the way of that land. Um, having an organization that has had that be a part of their way since their formation uh, really speaks to me and uh, fuels my revolutionary fire. So recognizing again that as uh, red nation, black nation, brown nation, we face the same oppressor. Our oppressor is white supremacy. Our oppressor is the capitalist imperialist system. So identifying very clearly that we have a common enemy we can also very clearly identify that we have a common love of justice and that our collective liberation will, um, you know, it will benefit the masses of the people. And so uh, I appreciate, again, the platform to speak, Brother JV. Absolutely. And, you know, brown, black, and red unity is very important. And as a member of the Chicano Nation, i got to say as well that you know, um, Aslan, and, you know, we take it very seriously, and, you know, we are very honored that Aslan and the Ohlone people share this land that we stand on. It's uh, sacred land to the Chicano Nation, and it's sacred land to the First Nations, and we are all indigenous people, so um, we do um, feel very honored to be a part of this land, um, and, um, its historic struggles for so long and um, you know brown black red unity is something that um, that we have to cultivate as conscious revolutionary people and without that um, you know we will get nowhere in this struggle so you know um, it's very important it's very beautiful to hear um, others um, 
you know, understand that, grasp it, and promote it as well. So, um, you know, I just want to thank you all again for, you know, voicing um, this uh, revolutionary truth about unity, that we have to have it. We've been having it. Our peoples have been united since uh, before the settlers even came, you know, and um, we didn't see this um, oppression and this uh, division. You know, we welcomed um, other oppressed peoples um, and, you know, and, and, and we continue to do so inside the indigenous circles and in the revolutionary circles and work together uh, in harmony. So. Um, I thank you both for sharing this, uh, this uh, you know, consciousness and this, this truth with the people. But let me, you know, let me get to this next question, um, you know, um, and this one's going out to Comrade Mamut. Uh, Mamut, um, you know, he's traveled to Cuba and, um, you know, to me, Cuba is very special and um, holds a very special part in my heart um, as a socialist country um, in this hemisphere who is um, struggling constantly against imperialism. Um, and, and so it's very beautiful. But um, Brother Mahmoud, yeah, I would like to um, ask if you can um, tell us about your trip to Cuba. Um, how was it and how has your experience um, there strengthened your political line on anti-imperialism? Um, right, Joey, uh, let me be clear, man. I'm going to start off by saying one of the big issues for us, right, in the, in the African community here in America, at one point only 17% of us had passports. If we were in any class getting graded, that's like an F minus. You get what I'm saying? So first thing I'm going to say before I start talking about Cuba, I'm going to encourage people. One of the things that I'm pushing is encouraging folks of African and indigenous descent to get your passports. Mm. Get your passports so we can travel to these places and see these beautiful people and what our ancestors had laid down before mm. we were even born. So... Put that out there, man. Now, mm. Cuba, I've traveled there a few times, and Cuba's a beautiful place. Uh, Cuba's a liberated zone, and what I mean by that, Kwame Nkrumah in his book, the handbook Revolutionary Warfare, talked about three zones, contested zones, occupied zones, and liberated zones. And so at this point, uh, with, the, with the, uh, the assassination of Gaddafi, we lost a liberated zone in Libya. And so now we have Cuba, a socialist country, still standing firm. And what I mean by that is they're not ran by an imperialist, capitalist, anti-socialist government. This government is ran by a socialist uh, or ran for the people by a socialist government. So it is a liberated zone, and it should be defended. So the masses of organizers, we need to put our energies towards supporting our Cuban brothers and sisters and the struggles that they got going on. Don't rely on this misinfo misinformation system here. Don't rely on, on, you know, what your friend said or what the homie said or what the homegirl said. Get into those books. Watch those documentaries. Study. Learn about what Cuba has done for the Cubans and for the world. And so my time there, I've witnessed a country of about 12 million people uh, have a the May Day March, May 1st, they have a May Day March. Man, I'm talking about over a million people. And they said to me the first time I got there, they said, hey, it's going to start at 7 a.m. and it's going to end at 10 a.m. And I'm thinking wow. in my head, please, we have a meeting with five folks, and so we said it started at 7 a.m. and end at 10 a.m. <laughs> it may start at 7.15, 7.16, and it may end at 10.30, because, you know, we got some long-winded folks sometimes. <laughs> Man, please, these, these folks, Brother Joey, let me tell you, these folks, started at 7 a.m. I'm talking about when the big hand hit the 12, they yeah. started the march. Wow. And when the big hand hit the 12 at 10 o'clock, the last person had walked through the line. And, wow. I, and I've seen that with my own eyes. Three years in a row. Wow. So the level of organization, I'm talking about that to, the, to express the level of organization mm. the Cubans have, is serious. Mm. Now with that, that organization has been broke up into units. Similar to how we talked about the work-study circles, they have what's called CDR, the Community for the Defense of Revolution, where individual communities or barrios, right, we would say, or hoods, 
they meet up to discuss aspects of the whole country. What do we do if there's a hurricane? What do we do if there's a tsunami? What do we do if there's an invasion? They have emergency preparedness plans that they go over on a weekly basis. Wow. Everyone from the community, kids to the elders, are meeting to have these discussions. Mm. And then representatives from each community will meet with other representatives. Mm. So if we talk about the street nations and the street tribes, the, the east side bloods will meet up with the west side bloods and meet up with the mm. east side crips and the west side crips and the mm. Serenios and the Nathaniels and the Asian boys and the TRGs. Etc. Etc. Wow. We would have representatives meet together to go out and then uh, talk about. Well, this is what our group thought. This is what our group came up with. This mm -hmm. is what we thought. And then there'll be ideological struggle amongst the masses to develop a plan that's for the betterment of all the masses. That's what Cuba has. I've been blessed to attend those meetings, uh, a few of them actually, and, and see how it how it comes together, how it's utilized in a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. I've also been able to meet while I've been on brigades with ECAP. I've been uh, on brigades and had an opportunity to meet folks from Africa, different countries in Africa, uh, different folks from Europe, different folks from Australia, New Zealand, uh, man, all parts of North and Central and South America from Honduras, Nicaragua, Venezuela, uh, mm. Peru, uh, uh, Guatemala, Brazil. If my comrades who are listening, you know, if I didn't name your country, Chile, I'm mm. not being disrespectful. Uh, you know, all of y'all that was there, we've been able to meet up and I'm able to hear from their perspective, wow. first-hand perspective about what's going on in their country and then also give them first-hand perspective about what's going on in our country. So then we can go back to our communities and educate the masses. Mm. Here in America, you know, in the hells of North America, you get a felony or whatever, it's hard to get passports, it's hard to get access to it. Right. So we have to be those folks who are diligent to come back and say, hey, sister, hey, brother, this is what I've seen, this is what I saw. And that's what we do. Uh, also in Cuba, I've been able to be a part of solidarity conferences where these same representatives from Venezuela meeting with the, the, um, the, uh, the, the great great man, the great son of Venezuela, Hugo Chavez, I met with his brother and had a chance to discuss information with him. And wow. so then I can learn more about the intricate uh, details about what happened to Hugo Chavez, who the man was, mm -hmm. and then bring that back to the masses of the people. Wow. So I've been able to obtain information from people who hold an anti-imperialist anti view and are struggling daily mm -hmm. to bring forth a revolutionary change. And so I'm sitting in the hot sun, doing the work, learning, mm. studying. I've been able to meet with, uh, like I said, members from ECAP. I've been able to meet with uh, doctors, social yeah. workers, professors, engineers, students, agricultural mm. workers, pregnant women, mothers with special needs children, wow. spiritual leaders. And I brought up the mothers with special needs children. They have a program in Cuba. Comrade, hear me on this. If you have a child who was born with special needs, the government will pay you a stipend and uh. provide you with the skills and people, specialists to come in to teach you how to properly support your child. So instead of going to work for a system that cannot stand you, forces uh -huh. you into slavery, they say, no, spend this time to develop a bond with your child. Make sure mm. your child knows that he or she is an active member of this society. Mm. Make sure they know that they are a respected member regardless of how they were born. These are the things that I was able to see and witness. I've been on rides with social workers and been able to see how the, the families in Cuba welcome social workers. Mm. Out here, when a social worker knocks on your door, you either grabbing that thing behind the door <laughs> or you lock the door and all the lights coming in. Be quiet. Don't say yeah. nothing. Don't say nothing. Let them go away. They're Jehovah Witness. Don't say nothing. Exactly, but out, out, out in Cuba, man, they welcome me in, they know folks on a first-name basis, hey, you want some food, it's just a total different reality, so I'm able to come back and, and inform people about that, you know. Mm. Um, wow. One thing about our party, our party is in an organization, so there's an organization called the National Network on Cuba, mm. and this is a network of various socialist organizations who stand in solidarity with the Cuban people mm. very clearly. We stand in solidarity with the great sons and daughters of Cuba. And so our organization and several other organizations are part of this organization. And mm. we invite folks who are anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist, 
anti-colonialist, neo-colonialist, patriarchy, mm. etc., etc., and anti-Zionist mm. to come in and join the National mm. Network on Cuba so we can work collectively yeah. to end the blockade Beautiful. and the occupation of Guantanamo. Mm. Folks got to really understand this blockade is not only affecting the Cuban people. Yeah. Comrades out there listening, please be aware. It is affecting everybody in the world. Absolutely. The doctors in Cuba have been able to develop medicine. Uh. That if a sister has HIV AIDS, listen to me, comrades out there. If a sister has HIV AIDS, mm. this sister can take a pill that ensures mm. when her child is born, that child is born without HIV AIDS. Wow. With this type of medicine, we yeah. can end HIV AIDS in a couple Absolutely. of generations. Now, we know big pharma, as folks call it, and this uh -huh. uh, pharmaceutical mafia don't want to see anything like that yet. Oh, I'm letting no. y'all know that it's out there. It's out that there. if the Cubans get that medicine to us, right. this country calls that an uh, act of war. Absolutely. And it would be an act of war. But, brother, brother Mahmoud, I'm, I'm, man, I, I have to run. I'm going to have to have you all back on again because we're running out of time but i want to get your contact info before i sign off so can can i um can i get some information in case anybody wants to get involved wants to support um your party or to learn more about it get in contact with you all can we get some contact information oh yes most definitely uh sister Mindy is going to do that give me about 45 seconds though to give you some some additional information about the house of san Okay. Now, the House of Sankofa is separate from the All-African People's Revolutionary Party. Let me not confuse the masses out there. The House of Sankofa is a revolutionary pan-African spiritual center where we teach about spirituality and activism. So our goal in the House of Sankofa is to rehumanize ourselves to ourselves. The House of Sankofa is led by our great leader, Minister Reverend Barry, Barry Houston, uh, out of Memphis, Tennessee a student of Fisk and also a student of John Henry Clark, Yosef Ben-Yakin, Chancellor Diop, Kwame Ture, and many others. So uh, we're, we're out in San Jose. There's also uh, House of San Copas in other states. Sister Mondes is going to talk a little bit about that. Mm. But like I say, we're here to rehumanize ourselves to ourselves. Perfect. And uh, to explain to people that it's important that we seek truth, seek correctness, and with the truth and correctness that we find, we produce justice. Perfect, brother. So we're, we're encouraging people. My niece is going to give a little information, but please, y'all, okay. uh, get active, get organized. Get organized, organized, organized. Okay. If you're not in an organization, find an organization. If you can't find an organization, start an organization. Perfect. Hope that's in my eyes to all y'all. Thank you, brother, Joy, for Thank you, brother. this space. And here's Sister Mandisa with that contact information. Perfect. Many Keshwet relatives. So, uh, really, the best way to contact the All African People's Revolutionary Party community organizer is to attend a local program. Um, so, there's two of them coming up within the next week on August the 24th in Oakland at the Roots Community Health Center from 1 to 3 p.m. We have a program honoring South African Women's Day. Um, 827, which is a Tuesday in San Jose, here at the Martin Luther King Jr. Library on the San Jose State campus from 6 to 8 p.m. We'll be starting off our monthly film and dialogue series. This is a fall series. It'll be four months. Um, but for this first one, we're going to be covering Co-Intel Pro 101. So um, we do invite you to come and join the program, engage in a political education, maybe pick up some new information or present some, informa some information that uh, isn't present without your presence. So you can also contact us directly through email, aaprp.cali at gmail.com. That's aaprp.cali at gmail.com. Our website, aaprp-intl.org. That's All African People's Revolutionary Party at international.org. Uh, Facebook, AAPRP NorCal. Twitter handle is at AAPRP. And we do have a phone number, 510-388-4022. And that is a lot of information in a short amount of time. But come out, join us for a program, have some good food. I want to also send the information out to the House of San Cosa. This is mm. Sunday. Our gathering starts at 1030. We pour a libation at 11 a.m. 
and at less than 30 last until 1 p.m. We are at the all uh, the African American Community Service Agency, 304 North Sixth Street in San Jose. Mm, perfect. Thank you, Sister Mandisa and um, Brother Mahmoud. Thank you, comrades, for coming on to Free Aslan and for um, educating the people on how um, African people are organizing today. And uh, thank you once more. Uh, sure. Thank, thank you, good brother, for the platform. Much respect for the work you're doing. Be blessed, brother. Oh, Mateo. And uh, this is KEXU 96.1 FM, uh, Pole People's Revolutionary Radio. I'm JV, and this is Free Aslan. We're going to take a short music break. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. KEXU and we just we got brother G7 right here he's gonna uh, you know he's gonna show some more revolutionary music and he's gonna uh, hit one of these songs so go ahead brother uh, let us know what you got this is an anti-45 song here and you know it's just uh, shining light shining light on everything that's going on with uh, 45 and his administration white supremacy G7 KEXU 96.1 FM. I'm JV, and you're listening to Free Aslan. <laughs> 